Yeah, that's right. All right, I think we're winning here, guys. <laughs> Amen. Well, listen, while people are coming back, um, I have been so honored to host Artists Off, but um, four or so years ago, it, uh, it just became apparent that my wife was to start speaking into this awakening as well. Um, the truth is, is that my wife never spoke. But when our son got diagnosed with leukemia, um, and we went through that battle, when, we, when, he, when our son was, was um, out of it and in, in, in remission, we got up before our church to just celebrate before our church. And so my wife was standing next to me, and um, I gave her the mic to just say a few words, and she exploded. <laughs> I mean it. I mean, God just exploded through her, and everyone was standing and shouting and clapping. I mean, no one did that for me. And I just, said, I just started backing up, and I'm like, what happened to my wife? And, and it was really God's, God's call on her. And so I love my wife, and I love her heart, and I even saw this summer how God was speaking into her for this moment. And I believe it's going to be a, a, a moment of powerful breakthrough, release, freedom for this body. And so open your hearts, and can we give my wife a hand? Amen. Y'all are way too kind. Did he pay you? <laughs> oh, thank you. Praise God. I'm just, I know you're ready to get this thing going, and oops, did I drop something? No. Um, you're probably ready to get on your planes and go back. But you know what? We don't want to go before the Lord releases us, right? And so I believe that those of you that were able to put it off, you were divinely put here to receive this word. And the other ones will get it on YouTube, right? They had to leave. I wish I could uh, stand before you after last year and tell you that I, uh, my prodigal, how many of you were here last year? I gave a word on my position. It changed my life, and I, I've, I've done one thing successfully, waited with an open heart and open arms for my prodigal's return over the last year. I wish my prodigals were home, but they're not yet. But I just felt like today I wanted to stand in front of you and declare for you and with you that our prodigals are coming home. Our prodigals will return. And so please receive that and go in faith and encouragement that you're not going to stop. God is an immeasurably more God, Ephesians 3.20 says. Isn't he, and hasn't he done immeasurably more than we could have thought this week and imagined? Hasn't he been good? So my husband and I were pulling out of our vacation um, in July, and I always laugh at, it's like our conversations leaving home, for me, is my prayer conference word. 
And so we pulled out, and uh, I made a comment to my husband, and I said, um, firstly, we were on crisis intervention on our vacation. Because how many of you know when you have unsafe family, there's never really rest. We're always in a battle. There's crises that pop up all the time. So we had just had a week of crises intervention with a little bit of rest in between. And I made this comment to my husband. I said, I just don't know how much deeper their pits can go. Like, literally, when you think that pit has bottomed out, surprise, it can get more cray-cray, and it can go deeper. When I think they've reached the bottom, because if I was where they were, I would, I would have bottomed out. Oh, no, it goes worse. It gets worse. It goes deeper. But then I felt the gentleness of the Holy Spirit say to my heart that then... You do not need to waste another moment of your brain cells worrying about the depth of the pit. Because the last time I looked, said the Lord in my, my way he speaks to me, I have a right hand that can reach down and reach farther than any pit that the loved one that you're praying for can go. But then I felt the gentleness of the Holy Spirit say to my heart, don't spend any more time. God's hand is in pursuit of them. Psalm 108.6 says this, save us and help us with your right hand that those you love may be delivered. You need to pray 2 Timothy, and I need to pray 2 Timothy 2.26 over our prodigals, that our loved ones would come to their senses. And that they would escape the trap of the devil that's held them captive against their will. No, do you think anybody really wants to be held captive? No, that's the, I gave you an answer. The answer, no. They don't want to be held captive. We got to pray for them. But throughout the last few months, the only word I heard from the Lord, he has to keep it so simple with me. Because I can only handle one word. And so he just gives me one word to take a whole message on. <laughs> he said this, stand on that last day, on that Saturday morning. And you're, remind your brothers and sisters in the Lord to be very mindful and alert of the pits that we as believers can fall into if we're not careful. And then he gave me a second word, and make sure you tell them the exit plan when they find themselves in a pit. So I have two points. I was uh, reminded that pits are just not places for unsaved people and prodigals. But pits are also strategically designed by our adversary. For we who are believers, the sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, David prayed in Psalm 31, 4, keep me free from the trap that is set for me. For you, O Lord, are my refuge. 
You see, our adversary sure is good at constructing and setting up pits, seducing us with lies, causing us to trip, and positioning that pit exactly where we're going to fall. When the word pit is used in the Bible, it's often referred to as a water reservoir. reservoir. I've botched that one. Rewind. A ditch, a cistern. Not places I like to hang out. But it's also a synonym is used that's often used in reference to a pit. And it literally means this. It's a place of destruction. Listen, the Lord never gives me a word to share with you without me first experiencing it. message I've ever stood and given is a result of what I've gone through or what we've endured. I'm bringing to you firsthand accounts of how awful and deep and dark the pits are. I've had many trips to the pit. I probably could have made some money being a pit tour guide. I've been to lots of them. But I tell you, the deepest and the darkest pit I've ever been in in my life was when I was diagnosed with clinical depression, and it's a generational curse in my family. You've heard my testimony. For years, I lived in the pit of darkness and despair. But one day, in my feeble cry for help, Jesus showed up and he rescued me. Hallelujah. He heard me. He saw me. And let me tell you, I remember the smells. I remember the climate. I remember the darkness of that pit. And I would not want anyone to go there. I also know about pits because I'm married to a pastor. That wrote funnier than you guys acted. It wrote, I, like, I was cracking myself up. So wait, we're going to redo that because we're in lifetime. I can do whatever we want, right? So I'm going to say it again. I also know about pits because I'm married to a pastor. Okay, you are so good. You know what? It's not like that. Being married to him has been the, a godsend. Well, I almost, I'm talking about when you're married to a preacher, you see your husband or your wife go into pits. Pits, like life is hard enough, but then there's ministry pits. And I could do nothing to help my husband when he would come off the pulpit and from behind the anointed word and step down and he would be taken to the pit. All I could do is stand over him and I would pray that God would deliver him. So I know pits from firsthand perspective and from watching my loved ones suffer. My husband has a great friend, and that person is in the room. For a small payoff, $100 or more, I'll tell you who it is if you want to meet me up here afterwards. <laughs> I won't call you out, but when I tell this story, the Lord will convict you. 
My husband had a good friend, and they would always be in contact with each other. He was a pastor also. But suddenly, one of them would just drop off the radar. Like I knew an alien did not abduct them, or we had heard about it on the news. But literally, one of them would just disappear. Texts would go unresponded to. Phone calls would be sent to voicemails. And I would say, honey, well, how is such and such? And they're like, I don't know. I haven't talked to him for months. And it would go the other way. That person would reach out to my husband. And my husband would not be responding. Click it to voicemail. I would ask questions like, like what's going on? And then finally, after months or weeks, one of them would initiate another attempt to connect and the other one would pick up and their conversation would literally start like this I've witnessed it hey buddy how was your stay in the cave in and sweets in other words I know why you didn't answer you checked into the pit in and sweets and one of them would say, how was it? Man, it was brutal. You had an extended stay this time. Yeah, it cost me a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't make that up. That literally happened. I know that, that the definition and the fact that I'm standing here and I pray that as I say this word, it resonates in your hearts and mine. Pits are real. I know the definition of a pit is usually referring to a large hole in the ground to catch an animal or, or an enemy. Often when the pit is used figuratively referring to the enemy who is trying to harm us by digging pits for us to fall into. I believe a pit can be any place we find ourselves in where we are bound, neutralized, and being held captive as a believer. We totally lose our power in the pit. We lose our hope in the pit. We lose our ability to keep pressing forward while we're in a pit. And yet the majority of the time when we find ourselves in the pit, something that always comes to mind we're always thinking about ourselves and how bad it is. And we sure aren't obeying Pastor Hal, making disciples in the pit. You see, the pit oftentimes is a place where I find myself after encountering life's tests and trials. It's where we go to. Jesus said, we're going to have tests and trials. John 16 says, in this world, sons and daughters, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The Greek word to that, take heart, means be of good courage, be bold, be daring. And it's an imperative. It says, keep on. You're going to have trouble, but keep on being daring. Keep on being courageous. Keep on never relenting. 
Notice Jesus doesn't say, you're going to have troubles in this world. And when you get on the other side of them, I've already got your reservation in the pit inn and suites. Check in for a few days. You'll have a nice stay to recoup. Jesus doesn't say that. You see, he says, you're going to go through it, but keep going. Don't stop. Somebody here, you came out of a hot mess. You are here redeemed from a pit. You're going back, but you are not going back to the pit. More than likely, we were, we're all going to slip and fall into a pit. But I believe this. As we grow in Christ and we begin to understand the enemy's strategy, the trappings, that we can avoid it. I believe our pit stops can be less and less, like a nest car. Whoop, 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 whoop. That was ugly. I was thinking about this, and it just makes me laugh. If you could ever see my, Pastor Stuart Greaves gave us his notes yesterday of a message he didn't preach. I would never give you my notes. You do not want to know what I put on these things. But I started cracking up because I realized a pit is usually designed to hold just one person. I have never been in a pit with somebody else. Every pit I've done. It's a single-sized bed in there. No double, no king, no queen. Pits were designed to break us from the fellowship. Because I want to tell you, we are more vulnerable and easily attacked when we're alone and isolated. Ecclesiastes 4.12, you know it. Though one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. It's hard to get in a pit. In places like this, we're surrounded. We are strong. We are the majority, right? There's power. That's why we need these. You know, we don't do these just because we have nothing to do all year. I mean, we are really one pretty medium-sized church that activates this as far as the legwork. But why do we do this? Why does people give of everything they have to come and open your doors and serve you? To love on you. And have you loved them back? Because they know there's as much power in them opening the door for them as there is for you walking through it. Because in the word it says iron sharpens iron. Why we do this, it's for our body as well as it is for you. Do you know what a pit feels like? Like am I preaching to myself? It it went really dead on that question. I know, right, sister? You and I, let's go. 
this is what, a, like, if I was to describe it for you in a little more descriptive way, um, I would say it's a reserve space called ahead, plan waiting for us. And it's like when we get there, Satan's throwing us the biggest pity party we've ever, ever experienced. He usually makes us the guest of honor. And you know what? His voice stays with us and confirms every lie that he's trying to make us believe. And then he capitalizes on it and he celebrates every thought that we haven't taken and made it obedient to Christ. He comes in and takes it and says, oh yeah, you are that, uh -huh, they are that. He's having a pity party for us and with us. Behind me, you, you're looking at some really awesome pits. And beside me too, they're everywhere. I got a little overwhelmed. It's like, Lord, don't make me fall. My heels. <laughs> Into a pit. You should have got that. Y'all need to wake up for me. You may say, Bethann, a pit, though. What we're looking at is not really what a pit is. Did you have a design flaw? Did your architects read the... The, the, the blueprint's wrong. Because you know what a pit normally is. It's on the ground. It's underneath. It's camouflaged. And we're just walking along and we fall. We're, whoa. But I had this set designed intentionally. You see, I wanted to reverse their position. I wanted the pits to be inverted. I wanted what's held in darkness to come up and be exposed in the presence of the Lord and in the anointing of his spirit. We have flipped these babies. And I want to call them by name. It would have been really boring if these pits would have been hidden underneath. I'm just saying. This is so much better. And I have a lot of things I can talk. But I'm not really going to talk about much of these. I'm going to name them and let the Holy Spirit see if it resonates with you. What about this one? This is big, because this is big. Don't let a root of bitterness take hold, because it'll not just kill you, it'll defile many. What about this one back here? It says comparison. You know my idea of comparison, it's a punk. <laughs> what about this pit here?
depression. In a room of spirit-filled believers, pride. Bitterness. Rejection. Get rejected. Where do you land after you've been rejected? What about this one? Disappointment. What about this one? Self-reliance. What about this one? Doubt. What about this pit? Addiction. What about this pit, pastors? Discouragement. What about this? I wanted to expose these and invert these pits. because we need to identify them. You can't not fall if you don't know what you're looking out for. We have such a powerful time this week and we're getting ready to load up in just a few minutes. And I just feel the Lord say, be alert, be alert. It's easier. This is one interesting thing I've realized. It is so much easier to fall into a pit than it is to get up out of one. Inside the pits I've been, and I've been the guest of honor, there's never been a stairway out. There's never been a lifeline, a ladder to make me crawl up there's never been an elevator that I just push and wait for it to come and get me and take me up. The only way that I've ever gotten out of any pit I've ever been in is for somebody to show up and rescue me. But the Lord said for me to remind you how you get out of a pit if you find yourself in one. I think we have to look at the scripture because my pit escape never worked for me. I stayed in many pits for longer periods than needed because I didn't get this thoroughly. So I'm going to take you to the word for your pit escape. You ready? Psalm 88, 1. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out. 
May my prayer come before you and turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength, but I call to you, Lord. Every day, I spread out my hands to you. Lamentations 3, 55 through 58 says, I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of my pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called you and you said, son and daughter, do not fear. You, Lord, took up my case and you redeemed my life. The word is clear about the pit exit plan. Are you ready? Surrender and cry out. You're like, that's too simple, Bethann. It's what the word says. Jesus, I'm doubting you, but I give that doubt up and I say, help my unbelief. Jesus, only you can give me faith in this situation. Come on, somebody, when you're relying on yourself, get up, get your faith victory flag up and you say I surrender my self-reliance I give it up I don't want it I'll destroy myself get me out of this pit when you're addicted and you're a 17 year meth addict you're under the bridge of Fort Worth but you find yourself in a prayer meeting Jason didn't get free by going to classes he got before the Lord, and he raised up his hand and said, I surrender. Lord God, help me. What about this one? What are you? Discouragement. You know what? It's the same exit plan for every pit. Get before the Lord. Lift up your hand. He'll take the night, and he'll turn it into the day. Guilt, get your hands up. Lord, this isn't my fault. If it is, I'm sorry. I don't want to carry around guilt the rest of my life. Come on. Depression in the name of Jesus, we surrender. You're going to go up there, flag. There you go. We're lifting our hands. We're saying we're no longer going to be down and depressed. Unforgiveness be gone. We surrender the people that have hurt us. We surrender the ones that abused us. We're sorry, God. We don't want it. Let us be free. Your pride, your pride, get your hands up. Throw in the towel today. We serve a God whose ways and thoughts are higher than yours and mine. Oh, comparison, just for the fun of it, you get up there. <sighs> Bitterness, we're surrendering today. Somebody, yeah, I'm just not going to stop.
don't stay, you throw it back in the air again. You lift your hand. It may not stay. You may get disappointed tomorrow, but you go and you lift your hands again. I need aerobics. <laughs> I just put more in me out. <laughs> and I got hit in the nose too. Did you see that? Hey, it's ugly. Oh no, it's a fight to get your hands up. It's not some cute little Chanel handkerchief. It's a flag covered in the blood. It's a flag covered in the blood of Jesus. It's only the flag of surrender to the one who loves you and paid the price so that you and I could be free from the pits. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our cry moves the heart of God. Your cry moves the heart of God. that God takes what the enemy means for our harm. And Joseph understood this. He went from the pit to the palace. Come on. Don't get me wrong. Pits have purposes. They're not just to hold us in one place by the enemy. Sometimes the Lord allows us to go to the pit because that is the only place he can capture our gaze. It's the only place. We're like ADHD on steroids. Come on. We're a captive audience in the pit. Why did I put the flags up? It was so important for me. Because that white flag, no matter what continent you're on, no matter what army you're in, they all carry a white flag if they're in a battle. And when they realize that they can't win anymore, that they're out of ammunition, they're getting pummeled. It's internationally known. I surrender. I'm going to invite the praise team to come. Listen to this psalm, Psalm 56, 9. Then my enemies, come on, don't be distracted. Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. I want to end today with a very powerful testimony. Can you ride with me? Chris and Gina Harston. Gina's the sweet one that usually stands over here on the praise team. 
Chris is the one that drew both the prodigal and the prodigal restored paintings. They are a precious couple. They are part of our Crossroads Tabernacle. They, are, they, they sweat and do everything with us. I mean, we are fam. These two were at the awakening in 2015. It was three years ago, at about this time during my message, I did a message on seasons. Anybody know that message? Okay, we have the sound, Pastor Chad, will you start playing, please? And so they did this, I did a word on seasons, and you see, since 2008, Gina and Chris knew what a dark, droughty season was. When they got married, they had one desire, to come together and unify their marriage and have a child. But Gina wasn't able to have a baby. She had a lot of problems in her body. And uh, the doctors really said, you're never probably going to ever be able to carry a child. Despite what the doctors had said, though, despite her body being at high risk, we had no real reason to hope. But we just believe that what the Bible says to do, if you do it, what it says will come, will come. So in Romans, it says Abraham hoped against all hope. That means he's like, it's dead. I'm hoping anyway. That was our cry. We began to cry out to the Lord God for Gina and Chris. Despite what the doctor's report was, we love doctors. But we didn't let that hinder us. We went to the great physician with the doctor's report. And we just say, interpret this for us, God. In February 2015, seven and a half years later, a prayer was answered. Gina and Chris found out that they had a little baby in Gina's womb. The report that the doctors gave them was, you're probably not going to get this baby out, and you won't go. I mean, you're going to have to probably, we'll have to take the baby. The baby cannot live. It was February 2015 that she found out she was pregnant. I want you to know she carried that baby for 33 weeks. A living, active baby in a dead womb. Those of you who were at the awakening 2015, it was three years ago. You remember it. But on October 4th, Gina had to be rushed to the hospital. They had to take their baby that they named little Jeremiah Samuel. I want to show you little Jeremiah. The little baby that it was said would never be. The baby came out. There's a couple pictures up there. Isn't he precious? That is a miracle. What you are seeing, I'm not going to go beyond this. That is a miracle. That is a miracle. That is the God that brings dead things back to life. Samuel was born on October 14th, uh, 4th, I'm sorry, 4th, 1990, I'm sorry, 2015. 
Good Lord, that was my year I grew up. <laughs> but the same day, after having a couple hours of support, Samuel also died on the same day he was born. It was such a dark time. Not only for Gina and Chris, but also for our church. We had prayed and believed and we saw a miracle, but how do you recover from the devastation of what felt like your miracle got taken from you? A little over two weeks, The sound. Life. We held a service for Jeremiah, and it was probably the hardest funeral that we ever endured. It was two weeks before we, the church, were to host you at the awakening. Gina and Chris had every reason to have reservation about coming to the awakening that year. A little two, over two weeks passed from burying their son and we kicked off. And do you know who was on this stage singing? Gina. Do you know who was in the parking lot directing you? Chris. You see, you see, they had every reason to check into the pit. I was willing to get them a reservation. But I had prepared a message that I wanted them to be of, a part of. But two weeks prior, the message changed. They can no longer celebrate the birth. They were celebrating the death as well. And I found the cardboard testimonies because Gina and Chris said, uh-uh, we are emotionally devastated. We're grieving, but we're not stopping. So I want you to see what the first cardboard testimony was when Gina came out. Unable to conceive for seven years. Nobody in the place knew. Look at the next one. Jeremiah Samuel, born October 4th, 2015. And the place went crazy. But then this. Lost our son October 4th. For the next two years, keep that there. I would see Gina and Chris struggle with real and raw emotions. Fear, anger, disappointment. But it was interesting. I never saw them check into a pit. If they did, they did a really quick innie and outie in the middle of the night when I didn't know it. They testified firsthand to our body of believers how the Lord was rescuing them and saving them. 
What a modern day example we have in front of us, how to live as an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, even when we're disappointed. They testified firsthand that God had rescued them. Now I want you just to tune in really fast. January of this year, okay? We're, we've come, even though that's there. January of this year, my husband and I get a text, can you meet with us in the office after service? I'm like, why, yes, they're gonna tell us good news. I just felt it. And I'll never forget that meeting. I forget a lot of meetings that we have with people. I try. Lord. But this one I don't ever want to forget. Because it was in the midst of their darkest hour. Chris painted that prodigal portrait. A grieving father longing to know what it felt like to embrace their son but would have to wait until he saw him in heaven don't tell me suffering doesn't produce gina and chris sat down that night in the office and they said this pastor and beth and we're surrendering i was like what we're surrendering our desires we're raising the white flag. We just want God. We can't make this journey about getting what we want. We can't make this journey about getting a baby. God just wants all of us. I was saying, oh, please don't give up hope. We're not giving up, but that's not what this was about. You see, Gina and both Chris came to the same conclusion. They were scared to death to be stuck in a pit for the rest of their lives. And they said, God, at any cost, I'm getting out. And so do you know how their rescue came? Every outfit that was bought for Jeremiah, they took it and they sewed it into the life of unborn children. The car seat that was picked out for their baby, for their nursery, they took it and gave it. The bassinet that they had dreamt would hold their child, they sewed it into the mother that was, had a closed womb, but God had opened her womb. There's something there. If you're really trekking with me, January, that was this year, after prayer conference last year, something happened. Gina conceived. So what makes this even better, she had no clue she had conceived. And it was like God deposited a baby in her and didn't let it come to knowledge until he knew that she could safely receive this gift. In that first trimester, she didn't have to worry one minute. She didn't have to fret one day. She just got the news that she was 13 weeks pregnant and the baby was good. Tell me God is not a good God. This is my question I ask for you and to you. What is waiting to be birthed on the other side of your surrender?
beyond the pit you may be in today. On the other side of surrender and rescue is a birthing happening. I thought it would be only fitting that I would end this day. And you would end this day in a way that only God deserves. Getting all the glory, getting all the army, honor. So I want you to see the very last cardboard testimony that Chris put up right after that. <laughs> Baby dead, wife's womb not working, devastation, loss, being pummeled by the enemy. It's not over. It's not over. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to stand to your feet and I'm going to invite the promised child with her mom and dad, Gina and Chris, to come down this aisle. This is Abigail. Hold her up. Come on. I call her Abigail, the promise. We can't make this up. This is a real baby. It's moving. It's breathing. It has life. And it came from this dead womb. Y'all beat me to my punch. Hallelujah. So I want to tell you something. Something happened to me seven months ago. I'm going through a bunch of junk just like you. But I am tired of going to the pit. Something is changing in me. I'm going. If I'm going, I'm not going easy. So you know what I did? I went to my bounty supply. I went to my Viva because that's the best paper towels you can use. And I grabbed me a white hanky. And the moment I started feeling like I was about to go in the pit of despair, nobody was in my house but me and the defender. And the enemy was under my feet. And so I started waving my hanky. And I began to walk around. And I was like, oh no. I'm not going there. Oh no, I'm not going down there. I surrendered and what I saw instead of the enemy encircling me, I began to see the Lord encircling us. So we do it better and bigger in Texas. We're not settling for puffs. We're not settling for visa. We got us a rally towel. 
I'm not a flag girl, I'm a rally girl. The Lord said, prophetically give them the way out of the pit that they will be in. Oh! He said, give it to them. Tell them you provided it. All they have to do is lift it. So God is waiting to do his, his, his part. But the Lord gave me this vision. Everybody lift your towel. Somebody please capture this. He said, I want you to do a whiteout. A whiteout? That's what Penn State does against Ohio State. They dress in white. They wave crazy towels. They try to put the opponent on the fly. He said, do that. Every wave, every time you lift it, it's a whiteout against the enemy. I'm going to give you permission to do whatever the Lord wants you to do with this thing. Come on. We're going to go out fighting. We're going to go out surrendered. This is good for some of you. Get out of your seat. Start walking around the enemy. to this song we just learned it today surrender cry out and then take back the victory come on so here we go they're gonna sing it over your lives victory is mine
Listen to the words, Psalm 40. Come on, Just keep singing that. Keep singing that. They can't hear me. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock. And he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song. What might you think that is? Surrender. He put a new song in my mouth and a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him because the way you handle your next pit. So today we declare and we thank you, God, for your word. This is not a catchy thing. This is serious. Anoint the flags of surrender going back. There's nothing powerful in them, but you're anointing on them. I pray that we would never, ever get this without, without of our reach. That when the tests and the diary, fiery darts come, that God, we would just say, uh-uh, and start circling. So thank you, God. We love you today. I bless all that are here. They are called, they are gathered, now they are being sent for your glory and to build the church of Jesus Christ. In your name, amen. Church, listen. In the Bible, in the book of Acts, there was such anointing on the first believers that even handkerchiefs and aprons had anointing on them. And they would just go lay them on the sick and they would be and they would recover. And you know what? Whatever you go back to, you know, it may be a picture of your son that's lost. Just lay this, just lay this hanky on top of that picture. And say, God, I'm surrendering my child to you, and I'm praying for your anointing and your touch. Just lay it on it, you know? Places in your body that are hurting, just lay this on you and just say, Jesus, I'm trusting you. I'm surrendering. Let your anointing just flow. Amen. So whatever you face, just go lay this, this surrender hanky that's got anointing on it because he's, he's the anointed one, amen? And just lay it on it. When, when discouragement comes, just, and you know what? If it's on you, just put it over your head. Do whatever it takes to recognize it's surrender, amen? So just for a minute, lift it up over whatever it is and just pray now god i surrender this to you just lift up your prayer right now god whatever it is i surrender this to you just like Gina and chris did i surrender this to you come on you pray it out we're going to surrender this to you jesus lay your anointing on this now god
There is anointing on surrender. Come on, some of you may be going back and laying this on your church building for a minute. Or the offering plates or something, and you're saying, God, or the pulpit, I am surrendering this to you. Now, God, let your anointing flow. Amen. Come on. Let your anointing flow through these, these hankies, like you did in, in the book of Acts. Let your, your, let your anointing fall, God, in our faith in who you are, Jesus. <laughs> and God, may we start hearing testimonies. The sick were healed through these. Children came back through these. These just these, these points of contact of faith, of trust. And God, when it starts getting real heavy on us at times, may we just throw this up high again and say, God, I surrender it to you. I give it to you in Jesus' name. Let's all say it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Church, listen, let's stay wherever we are for a minute. Let's sing that to the Lord right now. And then we'll close in just a minute. Come on, we can't leave without this song on our hearts.
us declare it, church, who he is. Just remember this part right here. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. Never stop. Make declaration. Declaration. Way maker, miracle worker. Way maker, miracle worker. You're a way maker. Way maker, miracle worker. Miracle worker. Miracle worker. That's who you are. Way maker, Come on, you know he's going to say it to you probably on the ride home. There's no way through this. 
That's why you just got to start saying it out loud. Waymaker, miracle worker. And now all of a sudden, the Nazarenes have become hanky wavers again. <laughs> Come on up here, honey. Let's, um, let's grab hands. Now, Father, seal. Seal in us. Everything that you have spoken, every promise, every word, every, every person that prayed for us, laid their hands on us, prophesied over us, every truth that was released from this stage, it's not going to go in one ear and out the other. God, if we have to go back, and I, and I pray we do go back to Cornerstone and get all the, the, it, these, these DVDs and listen and watch them and just... Put them before some of our people and say, hey, this is what God's going to do at our church. Hmm. So, God, we thank you. We thank you for every, everything you said, everything you promised, everything you spoke to us this, this week, God. We receive it. We're going to go out and walk in it. You won't leave us. You won't forsake us. Seal these promises in us with, with sure confidence. Father, what I'm asking, I, I'm, I'm trying to fish around for it, but God, give us an impartation of what you gave Chris and Gina. You're the same God, same Holy Spirit. So what you did in them and for them, do it in us and for us. As we stand our ground and we refuse to live in the pit. And if we get in there, God, may that stay be real short because this hanky is going to go up quick. And God, we're going to say, help us out, Father. Deliver us from this evil mess. So God, I thank you. I'm just going to say to event, thank you for every person that's going to be healed through these, these surrender hankies, uh, deliverance, lost loved ones coming home, breakthroughs, churches turning around, fires starting. Centers of holy fire, houses of prayer all over this country, God. Come on. Thank you for the great awakening you're bringing to our country. Thank you for the third great awakening you're bringing to our nation around the world. Thank you, Jesus. And God, may some of these hankies go over our eyes so that we don't see the things the enemy wants us to see. May there be a whiteout on, 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 the en on, on the enemy's tactics in our lives, God. So we pray these things in Jesus' name and believe that we have received them. And they will be ours in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So for just a minute, you can stay standing, but with, the, with anyone that's in the front that's not from Crossroads Tabernacle, just go back to your seat for just a minute because we are closing. I want all the Crossroads Tabernacle servants to run up here and stand in the front and just face out. And can we give all of the Crossroads Tabernacle wor workers, servers, ministers... Come on, all of them, everybody that's served.
from Crossroads Tabernacle. Amen. Amen. Let me say a few things. Church, listen for a minute. Thank you. I thank God for Floyd back there. He's on our sound. He's awesome. My wife just keeps saying, I know, he's amazing. We love you, Floyd. Judy Fraustro is like the administrative pastor of our church. Step out, Judy. This is Judy. We thank God for Judy, don't we, church? Because y'all know if it were on me, this would be a complete disaster right now. So we thank God for Judy. And then my, my, my pastors, would you step out if you're a pastor at Crossroads? Just step out. And I mean that if you're ordained or you're, you're a, a, a local, you've got a local license, district license, just step out. Step way out. All our pastors. Amen. We thank God for all our pastors, for their servanthood and sacrifice. I want to say thank you. You, you don't realize it, but you, you were in the most secure a conference that, we, that you've ever been in because we have literally armed security from Crossroads, and they were all around this building protecting you. And I thank God for all our armed security. And I don't mean the word of God. That's, that's, that's a sword, but they were also here to serve us. All the ushers, greeters, and this amazing worship team. And Pastor Chad Bohai from Cornerstone. We love Pastor Chad. And so, you know, I just wanted you to see the faces all together up front here of just the people of God at Crossroads. And I wanted them to come up because I want to say this to you. Thank you. This is from Beth and I. Thank you. I mean that. I mean, I'm so overwhelmed by our body and that many have given their vacation time to be here. And I know this too. Some of our, in fact, we prayed this for weeks, um, that God would do supernatural work in our people. And with a raised hand, how many God did a supernatural work in you this week? Honestly, just a super, it's different. It's, you're not the same. Come on. So Crossroads, we received, we received a whole lot. Amen. We received a whole lot. So I thank God for every single one of you. Uh, you mean so much to Beth and I, and, and we're grateful for you. Amen. All these kids serving. Honey, you got anything you want to say? Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'm out. Peace. Um, so, so, yeah, drop the mic. Drop it. Not the pit. No. That's not your mic. You cannot yeah. drop it. No, this isn't our mic. It belongs to church. All right. So listen. Um, I'm going to let them stay up here. If, if when we dismiss right now, you want to come and just hug one of them, they'd love to hug you. The Crossroads Tabernacle people, they'd love to pray over you one last time. And so can we just all close our eyes one more time? Father, thank you for this precious time. Thank you that you took over.
one week before we canceled this thing because we had no venue, you gave us this venue. And so we thank you for this, this, this church here, God. We, we've already blessed it and prayed, but we thank you again for it, Jesus. Now, God, go out with us in strength and power. Go out with us and, and just go before us with that cloud and that fire. And we'll go out in your strength and your Holy Spirit, Jesus. And I love you, Lord. We love you. We thank you, God, for everything you're doing, God. This isn't the end. This is to be continued of what you're going to do, God. And so we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hey, 2018 10th Year Awakening is convened. God bless you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Even when I don't see it, you're working.